dropping the bill now. Stacking the bills now. Came up through these streets. Now who's running the show? Me. Ha ha he he. We topping the bill now. What's the word word? This is your man Jeffrey Basoy back on the come up with the one and only Jawan Bryant. How you living, baby? Yo, yo, yo. We back at it. Back at it. We're we're here. Another Monday. Right. Gloomy season. Man. Woke up this morning. It was dark in my room. <laughs> but I like this weather. It's this is where I thrive. You know what I'm saying? This is where I thrive. Yeah, this is my type of weather. This, you know, this summer was summer was you. You know what I'm saying? You got your get festive vibes your your flowers you know all that right, good stuff right, right. gloomy depressing weather this this me <laughs> <laughs> this this is where i thrive I, I i love it i hate leaving to work and it's dark outside and getting that's what up. i'm saying we both wake up at 6 6 30 in the morning so yeah. like but what do you mean but i like the weather though it's my i like the vibes there's your thing it allows throw, you to be washed up throw the hoodie some sweats on you know what i'm saying all right go about your business but obviously you know you have to we gotta dress up for work but Man. just overall i appreciate the 50 to 6 degree weather i, I, I feel like my my fall time fashion would be at an all-time high if i was in the state that was more conducive for it. Like literally, I got like a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks. If I'm really fortunate, that's not true. If I'm really fortunate, that's not true, bro. It's been getting so cold out here these last couple of years. I just have no faith in this one. You have, we have all of Feb, all of September, meh, barely, in all of October. My, my senior year, at Carlton, bro. Like I think it was like 54 degrees for a whole two weeks. That was the most depressing. That sounds like ever. fall to me. That that sounds like basically winter to me. <laughs> no, that is fa- see. That's the thing people don't realize. Like in other places, their falls like seventy, as sixty. It should that's be, not as it should fall. Be. That's fall. That's spring. That's fall. That's spring. That's fall. Fall. It's getting cooler. It's getting because cooler. because to me, winter isn't is twenty or below. Twenty or below is winter. Mm-hmm. So anything above twenty, we're chilling. For, for me, it's all about the descendants and temperature. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've been doing some crazy steep dives in temperature where we'll go from, like, 85 and we'll drop from 85 and just go into 50. Like, damn, like, we can't even enjoy 65 for a little bit? We just going to go through go through and just lose 30 degrees? Like, like we just okay with this? And then Minnesota going to pop up, like, three weeks afterwards. Like, we'll give you two days of 80. And then back to 45 the next week. It's like, come on, fam. But we ain't here to talk about but the that. But that's how it goes, though. That's how it is with the summertime. In spring, it's like, oh, it's like 70. This is dope. And then before you know it, it's muggy and 85. Spring don't exist here. Spring hey, doesn't for exist. For two days, it, it do. It literally exists for two days and then come summertime. On. But uh, before we get started, you know, we had a little, little event oh, over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, yeah. We should probably talk about that. Yeah, football back. Yeah. Football's back. So we're, 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 we're doing something new. Right. Stepping out of our... Uh, our podcasting lane, I guess you could call it. Right, we, we stepped outside the booth. Yeah, into a, <laughs> I guess a booth of a place almost kind of. <laughs> no, nah, but, uh, you know, Football Sundays, we'll, we'll be at Basement Bar every Football Sunday from 11 to 4. Right. Uh, come kick it with us, man. It's a good time. I had fun. No, I, had a, I had a whole lot of fun. We got a little trivia out there. Yeah. We had some folks dancing a little bit. A little different uh, D- vibes. DJ, Blase, DJ J. Blase was out here. Thanks. Uh, doing his thing, so this upcoming weekend, you know. But it's not ba- it's not basketball related. It's just football. It's football related. Yeah, they're versatile. We, exactly, you do Versatility a little bit of everything. Key. You know, just like the NBA. You know, what I'm saying, play multiple positions. We can play multiple sports. You we, feel me? They had us out here look like Lamar Jackson. They thought I was a receiver, but we actually throwing. Man. Um. But yeah. So every Sunday we're gonna be out there. 
um, it's a, it's a nice little switch of pace, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's usually you and I just here in the booth, but when we're out, we're out there like interacting with folks out in the audience, it's a nice little vibe. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. Um, but it was a good time, and I'm excited to see where it grow, goes because it's it's something we're building, and um, you know, we got some things set in place where we think it's gonna get really big. So come on, come kick it with us. It's a good time. Somehow, what you just said there. Reminds me of Team USA. Like, oh, there you go about- with these transitions. <laughs> Transition God over here. You know, it reminds me of, you know, they were talking about Team USA and being hopeful. They're out here playing a FIBA uh, World Cup. They just made it to the quarterfinals today after a win beating Brazil. Uh, what, what are your thoughts thus far as far as their prospects? You you were down on them to begin with, but they've been seeing- I'm still I'm still down on them. There's no difference. That <laughs> team is trash. For you? No, the team is trash. I personally think that they're gonna um, they're gonna lose to Serbia. So they play France Wednesday, and I just don't think they're they don't fit together. Like in previous teams, you know, you had the continuity, but with this team, it's like you don't. What's their best five man lineup? Uh, a lineup that probably includes Joe Harris, most likely. Should it though? No, but I'm just saying it most likely like, does that, that's just for problem. spacing purposes. He's their only shooter on the team, yeah. like pure shooter, yeah. That's the problem, and it's like you have guys – like you, their best five-man lineup, in my opinion, has to have a defender in there somewhere. So that means you have Miles Turner out there, which isn't the worst thing, but he's not also not the best defender, if you know what I mean. Right. So it's like you have Miles Turner. Kimba's got to be out there because he's been their best player. We have. Do you play Donovan Mitchell? Do you play Marcus Smart? I, I feel like thus far they've been trying to figure out who that that man is, right? Um, Kemba Walker has shown up to be the guy that they want the ball in at the end of the game. If there was a better option, you would go with that better option. But for now, you kind of have to live with that. Yeah. In Charlotte, he has not been the best at that position. Like I was looking at some of his stats. Like he, he shot. Roughly like twenty five percent in clutch situations. Yeah, he was um, surrounded by scrubs too, but he was. But still, you know, some of the looks they got were kind of clean. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Lamb, respectively, was a little was, had a better percentage of like thirty seven percent. And but when you look on this team, like Donovan Mitchell's be Donovan Donovan Mitchell, you know, we were talking about this in a car ride yesterday back from the event. Like, I don't want to say he's been looking fraudulent, as you like to say, but he's been looking like yo, he he he's not he, ready. He's not ready yet. And he may maybe this this might be a FIBA thing. He's gonna come into the season, and Mike Conley is gonna be different with him with the Utah Jazz. We're not gonna get into that. But as far as this Team USA team, they put the ball in his hands to create, and more often than not, even though they've been winning games, it's like I'm not sure I trust you when we're playing against teams that can actually take us out this tournament. And this is why I think they'll lose to Serbia because Serbia's Serbia's not undersized. Mm. They're they play big. You know, I think they're the smallest person on their teams probably in their starting lineup is probably like six five. Which your backcourt with Team USA is six three max with Kimba and Donovan Mitchell. So it's like <laughs> how effective can Kimba be when he's gonna have to play against trees against Serbia? It's gonna be their biggest test, in my opinion. And they don't know what their best five man lineup is. I'm gonna go back to it because they don't know. In my opinion, for I watched um probably like the last quarter of the game versus Brazil. Jalen Brown looked amazing. He did. He looked great. He should be in there. He should be part of that final five, especially for just versatility purposes. But in my opinion, I feel like Middleton needs to be on the floor. So I feel like you end up 
you're going to have to end up sacrificing. I think it's going to be some type of mixture of Miles Turner, Middleton, Brown. Um, you'll you'll have to pick your poison between Mitchell, Smart, and then whoever, and, and obviously Kemba. Kemba's obviously going to be there. I don't think there's any other point guard on this team I just that don't... can supersede Kemba. Yeah, but that lineup, when you look at like Serbia, is like, okay, but Jokic is going to kill Miles Turner. Like, that's... To be expected. And you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's been nothing short of stellar. In the, he's probably been the the most outstanding per, player in he, FIBA. He might become the FIBA logo by the end of this, man. Yeah, he's he's been great. So when looking at that team, it's just like, okay, so what are you, what are you going to do? Even And it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Jokic is a, uh, a unicorn per se, but they play France, who has Rudy Gobert. He's not, he's not playing in this tournament. Is he's not playing? Nah, I was I was just checking out their roster, and he. <laughs> I did not see his name unless I just like quickly passed by it. I swear I seen I swear I seen Rudy was playing. Uh, no 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 you're right you're I right. I was right. about to say nah, I know I, I, I was. I quickly, I quickly glanced. I know it was and I didn't see him. I, was I like, know I wasn't tripping. So Rudy, Rudy's on the team. Fournier's on the team. Batum's on the team. And they have and uh, Frank Tilly, Tilly Keen is on the team. And uh, Batum, don't leave out Batum. Trash who's putting up Batum and FIBA's average. I'll leave out Batum, but trash. You're right. He's averaging the same thing he averages in the league like eight points per game, couple rebounds, couple assists, just cheeks overall. But yeah, and Tatum's hurt. Marcus Smart clearly isn't healthy. This Team USA, man, is just it's average. It's a mid. No, it's a mid, but it's a mid that can still go deep. You know, like you're going the pessimistic route. I'm not going to go with the optimistic route, but I'm going to go with the let's keep it rational still. Mm -hmm. This is a C-Squad USA roster team. There would be another JV team ahead of them. There would definitely be a varsity team ahead of them. And, hell, there might even be a a C1 (laughs) ahead of this team, potentially. Hands down. Um, But the talent on this roster is still good enough to win this tournament. I mean, when I look at, you know, Serbia versus Spain, for instance, we beat Spain earlier this summer, right before this tournament. Yes, Jokic did get ejected, but Spain had a pretty firm control of that game, at least for like a five, six point game, enough to get them frustrated. Who got ejected? Jokic did. Nikola, Nikola Jokic got ejected in that game. You said we beat Spain, though. We beat Spain earlier. Uh-huh. Spain played against Serbia. They oh, beat Serbia. okay. My fault. I wasn't yeah. following. I was looking. I'm like, damn, what is it? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I think that if we meet up with them mm-hmm. and we play our game and folks are hitting the shots that they got to, getting the stops that they need to, the one thing I like about this team, despite the lack of bigness, and, that, and that's where we're going to get killed on with Serbia because they got so many big dudes. And you saw that against um, Spain, even with them having Marc Gasol. Marcus Gasol was already getting doubling down by two six eleven dudes and having hard times getting easy shots. Defensively, he was having a hard time with these big dudes that you're like, okay, you guys aren't jokage, mm-hmm. but you can still run a pick and roll as a screen or a roll man. You can get the ball at the top of the key, can kind of hit some you know mid range jumpers or put the ball on the ground and get to the lane. You know that's going to be the hardest part. The dribble handoff with the bigs that's going to be a hard part for us to stop. But I still kind of like the versatility that you still have with some of these as we call them c-level guys like a marcus smart that can come in and play hard defense against you know he was guarding giannis when we played against greece you know and did a pretty good job against giannis obviously playing against a six six eleven you know 265 270 pound dude is very different um but 
you can you can expect him to step up for that challenge. So, but my thing is why I'm so negative on this team is that it's they don't struggle. They're when it comes to talent, they're just as talented as any team in this tournament, yeah. hands down. Like that's not even a, a a question. The thing is, even with previous teams, the thing where Team USA gets in trouble is they play against a team who has cohesiveness and who has played together. That's when they start struggling because it's complete. It's a different ball game when. They know where they're going to go before the play even happens. Yeah, That's where they're going to struggle, and I think that's where Serbia might have them beat. It's just some of these dudes have been playing together for a long time. Yeah. Same thing with Spain. Spain's going to give Team USA trouble because they played together for so long. Yeah. And, you know, I'm talking about previous years. What separated them was what they had a go-to guy or they had somebody say, you know what, go get me a bucket. Right. Get the ball in LeBron's hands, run, pick, and roll, go get a bucket. Yeah. Or give it to KD on the elbow, give it to Kobe, whoever. With this team, it's like, okay, your your go-to guy is Kimba. Kimba's best move is a step back. Yep. And when you're playing against long defenders, is that going to get be enough to get it done? And it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a test. It's gonna be a challenge, probably the biggest challenge that Team USA's faced in a long, long time. I, I think they'll get through France. I think. Yeah, I think they get through France. Too. I, I'm I'm not too concerned about France because they're not as deep as they can or could be. Mm-hmm. Um. But looking at Serbia, we obviously that is the the big matchup that we're going to be looking at, especially once you get Jokic back into the fray after he got ejected. Um, their guard play outside of Bogdanovic is not to be more positive on the USA side. Mm-hmm. The guard play for Serbia is not something that's ridiculous. It's more so to stop them from shooting. And I think if we can control the perimeter at least, we might get out rebounded. You know, what I'm saying we might get bullied down low. But if we can hit shots from the perimeter, we can guard their perimeter. That's going to be pretty interesting and what we got to watch out for moving forward. For now, they're still in it. They're going to the quarterfinals. Serbia down the line, but France is the next target against Rudy Gobert, uh, which should be a pretty good one, huh? You want to you wanna, uh, address the congregation now with your rant on uh, your boy? What boy? Your boy, Donovan Mitchell. You want to rant now or you want to wait? <sighs> I, I'm i going to make this quick. You know, <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going to make this quick. we got other things to talk about. Uh, but as I mentioned, you know, I've been concerned about Donovan Mitchell's play. You know, the, a lot of folks have been talking about how Mitchell is going to make that leap this year. Mm-hmm. There are some folks that have gone so far to say that he could end up being an MVP candidate this year. Mm-hmm. The big reason being, obviously, Mike Conley's in Utah now. All he's needed And Bogdanovich. Was, and Bogdanovich, yes. But all he needed was another playmaker that could take the ball away from him so he can be a little bit more of a two-guard, et cetera, et cetera, and he's going to be able to only focus on scoring. Mm -hmm. Well, send him overseas, put him in FIBA, put him with somewhat of a similar similar guard to Mike Conley. You can talk about their styles being a little bit different, but they're similar in the way that they play the game in some ways. And yet still, Donovan Mitchell, spotlight on him, Mm -hmm. struggling to make that much of a difference on this team. And, you know, this could end up, you know, translating into success for him. And he can be like, I was frustrated at FIBA and it was a trying time. And I was with these otherworldly coaches and I came back to Utah Jazz ready to play with Mike. Mm -hmm. It can work that way. Or you can look at the opposite side and be a little bit conflicted and be like, look, man, I think that Utah Jazz should be a little concerned with Donovan Mitchell, especially with how much freedom they've given him in his first two years. Mm Mm-hmm. How are you going to rein him back in? Because I see him shooting some of these shots. He's shooting like he's a top 10 player in this league. And I'm sorry he is not. Could he be? Maybe. I'm not going to rule that out. 
But for, a lot of folks are calling him Wade. I'm seeing a lot of Deion Waders right now. So basically what I got from that is Donovan Mitchell's rising up on your list of players that you will that you dislike, I should say. I don't, I'm not even going to say I dislike him. I want him to be successful. Like I don't want I don't want to be I don't want to be a hater. I want him to be successful, but for the time being, I want to see more out of him before I drive into the hype. I feel like a lot of people are hyped about Spider and things are going to be a huge year for him in the Utah Jazz. And I think the Utah Jazz are going to be a good team. But for them to be good, he's going to have to be great. And I think that he's good, but he's not great yet. You know what I'm saying? And and that's why we got to pump the horses just a little you bit. You hate to see it. You Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of like start off, you know, pre, you know, training camp is going to start starting here by the end of the month. Season is, you know, a few months away now. Mm-hmm. And we're all super excited about that. It's been a long summer um, and so we were just thinking about how we can start to prep some of our information about, you know, new additions, rookies, team changes, and actually truly talk about the X's and O's as opposed to having like a two hour episode about yo, let's, everything. <laughs> everything. Um, so today we're kind of going to focus a little bit about some of the rookies. So, you know, you had the rookie survey mm-hmm. um, that happened over the summer. And, you know, they, this is where the rookies all get together. They learn about proper financing so they, they don't go bankrupt. Which um, will end up happening to, anyway. To, yeah, to most of them, you know, new money. Um, but, you know, they also get the time to sit down with fellow rookies and each of them get to know each other a little bit better and also ask each other questions. They took a survey at the beginning of this season, and one of the big questions they asked was who they think the best player long term was going to be this season. And that player did not end up being Zion. It ended up being his former teammate. Trey Jones? <laughs> Cam Reddish, baby. Oh. Cam Reddish. So Cam Reddish, is, a lot of these rookies are saying he's going to be the best player long term. What do you think about that? I think there's smoke and crack. <laughs> I don't, was this voted by the players or voted by execs? This is play, voted by the players. The players oh. themselves voted this. The fellow Jesus rookies Christ. voted this. Jesus. Some player, well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by this. If the fellow players did, because players are dumb. So <laughs> Cam Reddish, I don't even know if he'd be in my top five. For for best careers? Yes. I don't know if he'd be in my top five. What, what would your top five as far as careers go? We're not doing rookie of the year. Career. Just the best? I think that number one for me was probably going to be Ja. Ja Morant? Two is probably going to be RJ. I'm a firm, firm believer in R.J. Barrett. I think R.J. Barrett's going to be really, really good. Um, and I think that three, I'd probably say Zion. And then I think after that, I think it's a drop-off. So in each draft class, there's only going to be one, two, maybe two all like M- all NBA caliber talent. I think in most draft class, I think this it's is like, true. It's like, it's like two to three. You get like two to three in most of them. And I think that... You get from a besides that point, you'll get t- three to four role players, just like solid high rotational end, high guys. end above average guys. And I think after that it drops off. Yeah, and I don't I don't think Cam Reddish is going to be that good. I think Cam Reddish, especially in the position that he's in right now with Atlanta, it's not like he's going to be the go to guy mm. or a guy who's going to be going to get free reign to sh- put up twenty shots a game. Right. I don't see it. And I think that the thing that made me criticize him was the fact that he likes to take a back seat at times 
And that's not – I don't like that from players. I've watched Wiggins for four years with that nonchalant, <laughs> oh, I'll just pass it off personality. The Wiggins apologist strikes again. Yeah, like I don't I, – I just – it's not it's not somebody that hits me as being a go-to guy. When right. I look at R.J. Barrett as a guy who craves that, who wants that, right? who's going to go and get that, who wants to take that spotlight, that shows me like a certain like mentality that I think propels him. Hmm. But that's who, those are the – I mean, it's easy to say the big three. I'd have to probably sit back and think. Um, I, I, I was thinking about Cam Reddish. It was an interesting answer. And, and as I was, like, thinking about that, I was like, the upside, just like how we always talk about Andrew Wiggins' upside, just like how we talk about any prospect's upside, Cam Reddish, should he ever figure it out? That obviously, there's going to – like you said, motor is a question with him. But should he ever figure it out, he could be scary. He's already 6'9". He's got some handles. He has a smooth jump shot. Like, there's nothing wrong with the jump shot. It's just all mental for him. And it's like, there's that's that, like, that's why that's what makes executives kind of, like, salivate at the mouth. Like, okay, if we are able to maybe unblock whatever it is that's holding you back, we but might how, have a How jump. often does that happen? Give me, give me two examples of where it's like a mental, mental got in this guy's way. Man, you put me on the spot. I feel like I would have had to think about But that. But my thing is, like, there's not been a, like, there's not a go-to answer right away. It's like, oh, they finally unlocked this guy. Right. Like, that could, that could have been and should have been Wiggins. It still can be Wiggins. Don't mm. get me wrong. Right. But he's the poster boy for that. Where it's like, this guy is just very nonchalant and very just, like, you could tell in his, he's very laid back. That's Cam Reddish. That's who he is. He's laid back. And it's like, I can't think of a a player where it's like oh they finally lit that fire out of from under him I, I i feel like the thing with cam though is like there's so much backlash that comes from him because he was like a top five top three prospect that has slipped down so low like i wonder how different it would have been if he would have just been some mid-major six nine kid that had a decent season without all that spotlight would comparisons to him like to a Chris Middleton, would that be insulting to him? Would that be fair? Because I could see him being a Chris Middleton type player. I think if he's a Chris Middleton player, you're happy. You're ecstatic. And I think he could be that. I feel like that's what you're hoping at least with Atlanta he could be. Because exactly like you said, he's not going to be the man because you already have the ball in Trey's hands. Kevin Horder's already at that shooting guard position. You drafted DeAndre Hunter to potentially be your starting three, and I think he's going to be a very solid role player in this league. That's someone I was pretty high on. Um, so they got a pretty veteran big guy that some people are low on just because he's older, but I think he's just going to go in there, plug away. Um, John Collins, who's a budding superstar in his own right in a few years here. So it's like, okay, you throw him into the equation. Do you, do you, you throw Collins at the five? Do you, do you put Cam Reddish at the four? I don't think he can play the four. That's interesting to me, but of course it's like the upside. The upside's still there. But I, th- that's t- in my opinion, that doesn't equate to being the best player of this draft. I, I feel like a lot of these if dudes... You're, are, if your ceiling is Chris Middleton, the draft class is going to be a bust. The, the interesting thing about like the way that, you know, when we look at like successful careers, right? Like, I feel like so, a lot of it also goes into longevity. You know what I'm saying? In the sense of like, okay, this player was really good. He played at a very high end level for like three to four years, right? Probably like giving you like 22 points, six, seven rebounds, a few assists, whatever. Like he was an all-around great player, maybe an all-star nods. And then maybe it was an injury that happened. Or maybe it's a certain incident that kind of like derailed them. But then at the same time, you compare them to another player from the same draft class that probably played like 12 seasons. Maybe it wasn't like no 25 points per game, 
but it was 16 points per game. And, and what happens then, maybe they get traded to certain teams where their role changes and they become like this glue guy. Like that to me is kind of like, I can see something like that happen to Cam Reddish and not to say that he should be the guy, the go-to guy. He, he wouldn't have been my pick for, for long, for longevity purposes, but that's kind of interesting how much your career can change just by flipping your situation and just circumstance, right? Which is a lot of what this league is all about. Yeah, who do you think is going to be the biggest bust when it's all said and done of this draft? The biggest bust. I, I I don't I don't really think I have a bust in this class yet, just because I felt that this class was kind of middling. Um, you're really high on R.J. Barrett. Super I believe high. in his talent. I think he's going to struggle a lot, and folks are going to call him a bust early on. And I think it's going to take him some time to like catch on. Like while he has that mentality to like take over and that he wants the moment to be his I think he's not really gonna bust onto the scene as like okay this dude is a star star until maybe tail end of his second season um which is fine we've seen that a lot with like rookie guard slash forwards whereas like that year two to year three jump but I don't think it's gonna be that automatic hit as some people expect him to be because he's gonna have the ball a lot in New York. Well, I think that's why he's gonna be a hit though. I think the opportunity is gonna be there for him to he might the thing is he won't be the most efficient. I think that's probably gonna be and, where you're and, talking and, about. I'm, I think he's gonna average if I had to put numbers, I'd probably say eighteen points a game. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be like fourteen. There's like, no there's I think no it's gonna way. be like fourteen. There's no way. I think it's gonna be like fourteen on like forty two percent shooting. There's maybe no a way. Less. Then if you think he's going to average 14, you don't he's probably going to put up maybe 12 shots a game. He might. I think he's getting probably fit closer to 15. Who I, else I, is going to shoot the ball? I, I I just don't keep in mind this is the same New York Knicks team that signed like six big men this summer. No, they did, but I mean <laughs> you know, like, they have they have Dennis Smith. Mhm. They have Kevin uh Knox, Kevin Knox and they have Julius Randle. That's their, that should be their their version of a big three, yeah. But when I look at Dennis Smith, look at Kevin Knox, RJ should be the primary ball handler. He should be. I'm not saying the contrary. But that, I, that's I, I why I, just, I think we're speaking the same language. I think he's going to be a featured role within the New York Knicks. I can just see something where not only are the New York Knicks losing, and so they'll just keep force-feeding him, I can also see something where the head coach just like, I need you to be more efficient because that's just the way that he's just kind of wired to do. He's like, I want you to play efficient basketball. Um, and R.J. Barrett, I think he's going to struggle with that early on. And I think that's going to look reflect bad onto his numbers. Like, I, if he ends up averaging 18, it's going to be like some Andrew Wiggins type 18. And those those Wiggins I mean, comparisons are going to come back. 42% is pretty good for shooting, though. Like, now that – just from looking at because the first person I thought of when you said he's going to struggle his rookie year is D'Angelo Russell. And D'Angelo Russell's rookie year, he averaged 13 points on 41% shooting. Mm. So 45 if, is around league average. That's where you would want to be around league average is 45. I mean, who, who averaged 40? You think league, league average is 45? I'm not talking about three-pointers. No, I know you're not. I'm not, I'm not. Just field goal percentage? Field goal percentage. I think, I think you're, for big men, yeah. What? Like, that makes sense. But from a guard, somebody who's putting up... 15 to 16 shots a game? I don't think that's true. But just to continue with the point, D'Angelo Russell, 13 points, 15 points, 15 points, all on 41% shooting. And then his last year, obviously, he made a jump, 21 points a game, 43% shooting. 
So it's not the most efficient. But I think that's solid. I think R.J. Barrett's going to have the opportunity. And even when you're looking at guys like Wiggins, who his rookie year averaged, I think, right around 16 to 18 points a game, it's like the opportunity is going to be there. So if you're going to get 15 shots a game and you're going to shoot 42%, I think you're going to flirt with high, high, mid to high teens. So I don't know. I think I think for me, I think the one guy that, that we're going to look back on and be like, damn, we forgot he was drafted fourth overall. That's really high. I think it's DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be a slightly better Marvin Williams. That's a, that's an interesting comparison. A uh, slightly better Marvin Williams. I, I see Marvin Williams as more more of a four, and I see DeAndre Hunter as a legit three, although he'll probably play four in some small ball lineups because that's the way the NBA is gone. But I agree with you. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be the best above average role player of this. You, you were talking about how, like, in every class there's a few stars, a, a few above average players, and then mid players, and then nobody else. He's going to be one of those above average players to come out of this class, draft class. I and think- I could be completely wrong because I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch Buddy too much, <laughs> and I'm usually trash at looking at players. Like, uh-huh. when it comes to player comps and who they're going to be, I'm pretty garbage at it. I'm going to uh, keep it a bean. I, 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 like Dre- I watched a lot of DeAndre Hunter. I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. Uh, remember when we drafted Jared Culver? Initially, I was mad because I would have preferred DeAndre Hunter over Jared Culver, but I understand the intrigue over Jared Culver. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm past I mean, it. Culver was the best player available at that point. He was the best player so, available. So obviously, you missed that ship. But at the same time, he's also three years younger than DeAndre Hunter is. So you have a little bit more wiggle room there to work with. But what I liked about DeAndre Hunter, especially if you watch that national championship, he is a 3 and D. Like, his stats show it. And he showed it on the biggest stage in a football stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 6'7 plus. <laughs> you know, he's capable of guarding literally the two all the way to the modern four. Um, and he's the type of player that he's going to, you know, God bless Atlanta, and hopefully they're able to keep him. But he's going to be someone that if he figures out the NBA quickly, remember he's a little bit older, so that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. But he's gonna he's gonna be someone that becomes really expensive because the league is always looking for those six seven six eight six nine, you know, forward guards that can guard three four positions, just smart reads and things of that nature that can shoot threes especially. Mm-hmm. Like there are only probably like ten of those guys that can do that at an elite level in today's NBA, and he, I, I expect him to become one of those guys. Actually, I years. changed my pick. My my pick for biggest bust of the draft is gonna be uh, your boy from Gonzaga. Uh, Rui, Rui. That's, that's not my boy. That's your boy. That's not my boy. In my, in my story, <laughs> in my, it is. He's never been my boy. That, that's, that's who's going to be. The I was boys. adamant that he should not be drafted. Buddy is. Buddy's going to be. He cheeks. had a nice little Duncan FIBA though. Buddy's going to be cheeks. He had a nice little Duncan FIBA. That don't matter. That does nothing for me. <laughs> Buddy's going to be trash. Obviously, like the rookie of the year uh, that the rookies decided on was going to be Zion. You think it's going to be as unanimous? No, I think it's going to be Ja. I think Ja has rookie of the year just comes down to opportunity. Who else who else is gonna touch the ball in Memphis? Outside of Jaron Jackson Jr. Well, the only other player that matters in Memphis. Exactly. It's all and about Igu- and Iguodala, who's who's waiting who's he, not getting he, a buyout. He ain't touching that ball. He probably ain't even gonna play. It's it's gonna be Ja Moran. <laughs> when I look at the Pelicans, I think Zion's gonna be fine. I don't know if I buy in the hype like some people do for Zion, but there's a lot of mouths of feed in in, in New Orleans. 
You have Drew Holiday. You have Brandon Ingram. Lonzo's going to have the ball. Lonzo's going to uh, – Zion's going to benefit from Lonzo because he's a phenomenal passer. But, again, it's like the opportunity is just not there. I mean, you got Brandon Ingram, too. Well, yeah, so, I mentioned Brandon. Yeah, and this, that's just – oh, J.J. Redick, too. That's another guy. So it's like there's plenty of shots to go around. So that's why I look at a guy like John Moran. It's like, okay, you got the keys to the car. You got the keys to the franchise. You got the keys to everything. Go do your thing. Go out and ball out. Literally, I think the only point guard of note on that team is Tyus Jones. I mean, there's no wings to really, you know. <laughs> so that's why I look at that team and I'm like, that's an easy pick. Like, I think that if I'm a, if there's a Vegas odds for me to get in on that and he's the underdog, I'm easily taking John Morant because I feel like that's an easy one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Ja. I think it's going to be interesting to see if any of these rookies can have continuity from day one till the end of the season. You know, when we were coming, when we were watching, you know, the last rookie race, it was like Trey and Luca, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were jumping on the Trey wagon because the last two months and a half of the season, he, he just went, <laughs> he just went ballistic, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Luka Doncic, first day of the season till the last day of the season, was ridiculous. Yeah, hit the ground right? running. Um, when I look at some of these rookies right here, I think every single one of them can hit a wall early on. And it's just gonna come down to who's gonna finish the year off stronger. Like you mentioned, like John Moran's gonna have the key 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 to the kingdom, right? He will. But what happens if he struggles to transition to the NBA speed? What happens if the jump shot's not falling as consistently as folks thought it was going to? What happens if, you know, the pick and pick and roll reads aren't as quick or defensively he struggles? The athleticism there, but he wasn't that great in defense in college. Um and so it takes him like two to three months. Um, you but know even if that does happen. He's still gonna have the ball in his hand. He, he can have the ball in his hands and be inefficient. And, and let's say, but you, that doesn't you, matter for Kidi. And it, it does. It, I'm, it does in this particular instance. In the case where this is all hypothetical, because we we don't know what's mm-hmm. gonna happen until they, they get on the court. We talked about the Pelicans, right? Just to put give Zion's case, a lot of mouse defeat. But what happens if a month and a half in, Zion starts to figure it out, or you know, uh, Gentry decides that you know what. I want to feature you on the ball more because you've shown to me that you can play at this level. And let's say a month and a half in, he's averaging, what, 14 points per game, six rebounds or something like that. John Morant is probably averaging, what, 12 points, five, six assists. Um, And that's just your race starting in, like, late November, beginning December till the end of the season. And the Pelicans are expected to have a better record. You expect the Pelicans to win with their current roster. Even in the loaded rest, they should be winning somewhere between 35 and 40 wins. Like somewhere within that area they should drop. That becomes a really interesting topic of conversation when you have Zion in that type of position averaging 14, 15 points per game. John Morant, you know, getting the Kings to the kingdom. Obviously, if he heats up down the line and pushes up to 18 points by the end of the season, you're like, okay, yeah, we definitely going to give you the Kings to the kingdom. But if Zion can assert himself, that's an interesting telltale story as well i mean it it is but i feel like in any rookie of the year case it's never about like one's team doing better i think john john moran's rookie year is going to resemble john walls i think when you look fast forward you know nine months from now i think john walls rookie year of you know 16 points a game eight assists four rebounds i think that's what John Morant's going to give you night in, night out. And it wasn't efficient. He shot 40% from the field. So I feel like that's exactly what you're going to get out of John Morant. And it's just so hard for me to see him fail in the terms of being under 
performing just because of um, sheer opportunity alone. He's talented, no oh, question. Extremely, no doubt. I mean, this so, is the second, second draft. Man could shoot 38% from the field, but if you're averaging 20 points a game, six assists, five rebounds, it's like they're not going to care because you're a rookie. They know you're going to struggle. So it'll be interesting to see regardless. And obviously the last big one I wanted to I wanted to mention was the rookies also drafted about who was the biggest steal in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Um Tied for first place was Bol Bol, drafted at 44th, and Kevin Porter Jr., who was drafted 30th by the Cavaliers, and Bol Bol was drafted by the Denver Nuggets. Um, both of them definitely steals. Both of them high, you know, um, high boom as well as high bust probability for both of them. Uh, you okay with those picks, or do you have some other ones you want to add to the list? Uh, I mean, they're they're fine. I think Bol Bol fell the far- furthest. Right. We talked about that on – on our draft recap just about the value. Mm-hmm. Um, one, Two people that come to my mind, I, I like uh, Dylan Wadler that the Cavs drafted. So obviously we know Michael Porter is talented. Or was Kevin it? Porter. Kevin, Kevin Porter, Porter Jr., yeah. We know Kevin Porter Jr. is talented. But it's not about his talent. It's about can he stay on the court. And I don't think that's going to be a thing. I just feel like he's going to dig himself a hole. Um and I like I like Carson Edwards. That that's the that's the guy I think, right there. I think Carson Edwards is going to be a six man. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas light for years to come because he's just he just had you watch some players play and you mm-hmm. just say that person has it. Mm-hmm. He has it. Yeah. It, it it it's almost like I think he's definitely a six man. He he's going to be one of those six men that's just so electrifying. That team at some at some point he's going to get a big payday. For some team to want to have him as their starting point guard, because mm-hmm. he has that, you know, he has that belief in himself that he should be the leader. He should be taking the shots. You saw some of that in summer league. You definitely saw it in March Madness. The forty-four point games, the mm-hmm. the games where he had like what six, seven threes. I mean, the, the kid is absolutely ridiculous. Boston got a ridiculous steal only because he's six one. Yeah, <laughs> but he's six one and athletic. Like, and that's why we were talking about six one might be a stretch. It might be a stretch, but he's still athletic, right? Mm-hmm. When I look at Kemba Walker when he came out of UConn, terrific player, one of the greatest collegiate players of all time. Kemba Walker was never athletic. No. He was just nimble. He could hit you with the crossover, can get to the lane at will. I'm not trying to say he's going to be Kemba Walker, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that when you look at Carson Edwards and the, the tools that he has in his bag, um, and, and he's going to be backing up Kemba Walker of all people, and he's athletic. I, I think you have a lot of things to work there with if you're Brad Stevens. Yeah, I agree. I think he's probably going to end up being one of those guys like, geez, how did he fall this far? Yeah. I, I think two other names that are interesting to me because of where they ended up getting drafted that I think they're going to be pretty decent. It's going to take them some while, some, take them some time. Um, I like Nasir Little uh, going to Portland. It, Nasir Little slid through a lot of people's, uh, you know, um, cracks because you know he's not that great of a shooter people were a little bit disappointed in his in in his freshman season at unc but i think he ends up going to a portland team that needed a three and d guy that can shoot a little bit he can shoot a little bit they got rid of alfarico minu he's gonna be in a position to do very well there and become some type of a glue guy and if he exceeds that role then portland got themselves a nice little steal um i also like Kobe White. I don't think he's a steal of the draft. I think he got drafted probably where he should have been drafted. But his fit with the Chicago Bulls is uncanny. It's just like, yes, this makes sense. Putting an electrifying great shooter 
next to someone like Zach Levine, next to Laurie Markkinen, Otto Porter. It's like, yeah, this makes sense. You want to play fast. You want to play quick. Now the big question for him is, can he be a better passer than he currently is? And I like the fit nonetheless. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Kobe White, but that probably means he's about to be dead nice. So, I guess we'll <laughs> reverse <see. laughs> curse. That's what that's that's the reverse Juwan curse. If I endorse you on draft night, chances are you're probably not nice. Um, if I said you're trash, you're probably gonna be real good. So there's uh, that. Finally, I, I guess like you know that. This player, obviously drafted by Minnesota Timberwolves, Jared Culver, was not mentioned at all in any of these rookie surveys. Um, what, what are your thoughts about his prospects? Because here in Minnesota, we're talking about him, you know, in the conversations where players are going to get a lot of minutes. The, these rookie season. surveys don't matter. These rookie surveys, surveys are all popularity. That's a that's a thousand percent what it is. If you look at all these names voted, it's players who are known. Right. Nobody knows Jared Culver. Nobody paid attention to Jared Culver. He probably's not the most liked guy. Cam Reddish is probably really liked. People like Bo Bo. He's probably not the most liked guy. That's what I'm saying. So like I honestly I could care less what the rookies think. I think Culver I don't know what to think about Culver. Part of me thinks he's gonna struggle just because I've seen him struggle in college. Part of me thinks that he could transition really well because he has the skills. The jury's still out. It's gonna be interesting to see if they start him or not, which I don't know what they're gonna do. Right. I personally think you should just start him, throw him out there, see what happens. But it'll be interesting to see what Ryan Saunders comes up with. I think for me, that's the biggest thing: is do they start him or not? That's going to be the number one thing. Yeah, what we're we're going to get into our Minnesota preview later during the season as we get closer to training camp. But obviously, Jared Culver becomes interesting, right? You can play him at the one, you can play him at the two, you can play him at the three. And obviously, depending on where you end up playing him and when, how that impacts the other players that play similar positions, a Josh Okogie, an Andrew Wiggins, a Robert Covington, a Jake Lehman, and even with the big men that you brought in, it impacts everything. So how is he going to fit into all of this? I think he's in the position to succeed, but I guess we'll see later on, huh? Yeah, I don't know. It's... I don't want to judge too much because I, I just feel like it's he might be slow to the train. Like Josh Kogi, we kind of seen it a little bit, but I think they're two different players. I think, I think Culver's very, very, very talented. Josh Kogi's based on grit and want. Yeah, he's raw. But I don't know if you could start Josh because I think Layman's going to start. That's what I'm going to go with. I think Layman's starting. Are you calling it right now? Yeah, because I think Ryan Saunders knows Wiggins is better at the two. And if you start Layman, that allows you to play Wiggins at the two. But if you start a Kogi, Wiggins has to guard threes and is going to get guarded by threes. And if you start Culver, they're kind of interchangeable, but the three is probably going to line up on Wiggins. So it just makes more sense to start Layman because he's bigger, he's athletic, doesn't need the ball in his hands. And it gives a Kogi and Culver free reign when they come off the bench to do what they want and be able to have the ball in their hands. So... But we'll save that for the preview. Yeah, we'll save that for a preview because there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to Minnesota. But I think we'll call it a call it a game on that one as you guys prepare to watch some of more FIBA basketball. And as you do so, don't forget, for us Minnesota fans or folks that are here in Minnesota that listen to the come up, come check us out. See us live. We would love to meet some of you. Basement Bar this upcoming Sunday for the Packers-Vikings game. We're going to be there. We're going to have a little pregame show starting at around 11 Come through, come vibe with us, tell your friends to come, and interact with us on Twitter. Follow this man at Cousin Jawan. You can follow me at Jeff Embiid, like Joel Embiid. I came up these streets, now who's running the show? Me. Ha ha, he he, yeah. We topping the bill now.
paying the bills now. Came up through these streets, now who's running the show? Me. Ha ha he he. Yeah. We topping the bill now.